0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Crime Cukes with your hosts, Rachel
1: and Emily, where we talk and theorize about crimes and perpetrators. In this episode, we're going to discuss David Koresh, another one of the many cult leaders that pops up when you research Texas. Another, <laughs> yeah, that that comment may have been a little xenophobic, but I don't care.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of background for this uh, David Koresh. So, David Corish was born on August 17th of 1959, and he was actually originally named Vernon Wayne Howell, and obviously he was born in Houston, Texas. So, in 1990, Vernon Howell officially changed his name to David Corish. and um, so some more background for, like, his early life. His mother was a 14-year-old girl um, named Bonnie Sue Clark, and his father was Bobby Wayne Howell.
0: Are we talking Howell, like uh dog howl or like francis howl
1: francis howl is spelled the same way Ooh, oh yeah <laughs> so before he was born um david's father ran off with another girl who was also a teenager so i guess he had a thing for that and he was like older not like super old but he's older than bonnie
0: jake jalen hall situation
1: yeah yeah <laughs> So, when he ran off with another girl, Bonnie went to live as a violent alcoholic. So, fun for him. And in 1963, uh, Korsh was actually placed in the care of his maternal grandmother, Earlene Clark, at the age of four, because his mother and her new boyfriend boyfriend had run off. Boyfriend. Boyfriend. (laughs) I could just try and get my Texas accent, you know. I figured it would be fitting. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so his mom actually did end up returning three years later when he was seven years old. And she's actually now married to the boyfriend. Uh, The boyfriend's name was Roy Haldeman, and they had a son named Roger in 1966. So uh, Koresh didn't actually meet his biological father until he was 17 because, you know, he ran off before he was born. And, um, actually himself, when they did an interview with him, described the majority of his childhood being lonely as he was special needs and, um, he had dyslexia. So, yeah, he ended up dropping out of high school in his junior year.
0: Well, that's sad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's probably where some of the anger came from, where, why he's not, you know, great dude.
0: That's probably where the cult part came from is um, if you make a cult, right, all those people are going to be with you forever and ever. And it's like,
1: <laughs> I'm never going to be alone. I guess so. I just think it's kind of funny because like cult leaders are typically very smart. And David, of course, I mean, he's not like stupid or anything, but obviously he had a lot of trouble. So it's kind of shocking to like know that he was actually like really charismatic. And that's kind of what got all his followers to, you know, follow him. So, um, that's basically, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, charisma is definitely, like, an important, um, character trait in any leader, especially if you want to convince people to, uh, join a cult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would assume. But it's definitely important in every single leader.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, uh, ended up following a lot in his dad's footsteps, not with, like, the whole cult part, but he was very well known for his relationship with minors, and this actually even included a relationship he had with a fifteen year old girl when he was nineteen. and she got pregnant. Oh, yeah. And uh, he continued this trend and he made it and you know, with dating younger girls until he finally made the choice to join his mother's religious denomination. Mm-hmm. um, you know, find religion, maybe find help or whatever. And this uh it was called the seventh Day Adventist Church, and um obviously you know he he did, he was trying to do better, but obviously that didn't work out, mm-hmm. and he actually ended up becoming infatuated with the pastor's daughter, oh who you know was also a minor and well, in his
0: father's footsteps, I see
1: yep, <laughs> and when he approached the pastor, he offered to marry his daughter, so you know the pastor threw him out of the church and when he kept persisting he was actually like officially expelled from the congregation.
0: I thought you were gonna say they got like a restraining order and I was like as you should.
1: I mean yeah they didn't it didn't they didn't actually do that they just sort of like get out of my church Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. essentially as good as one because he stayed away and in 1981 he ended up moving to Waco, Texas, where he joined the Branch Davidians. So basically this religion, you know, where he built his cult, there was already a cult there, and he took it over. So these Branch Davidians, they were a group that was originally created in 1955 and headed by one Benjamin Roden, who died in 1978.
0: So they passed the torch on to him. They were like, yeah, you've got charisma. You in, can do it.
1: <laughs> in a manner of speaking, is it it's a bit more complicated than that. It more had to do with the sun, of uh, this cult leader, Benjamin, who actually more kind of gave it to Koresh. Because, like, a whole complicated story. Which, this is kind of, like, his rise to a cult leader.
0: I really did think you were going to say the son of Sam. And I was like, no. whoa. That
1: doesn't even make sense.
0: Well, because you said it was more because of, like, the son. And I was like, whoa. Now. <laughs> like, the son.
1: <laughs> no, no, It would make more sense. Because, like, okay. So, in 1983, Koresh began claiming that uh, the gift of the prophecy, like, he had the gift of the prophecy, and it was speculated that he had a relationship with uh, Lois Roden, who was the wife of Benjamin. Now, to be fair, this was after he died, and she wasn't a minor, so doing a little better here, I guess.
0: Benjamin's the old uh, previous cult leader, right?
1: Yes, yeah. Okay, okay. So because of his relationship, he actually ended up becoming the leader of sorts instead of George Roden, who was the son of Benjamin. Mm Mm-hmm. So, basically, using all these, like, false claims, pretending he was, like, the sort of prophet, and, you know, obviously, you know, dating Lois and all that, he used this new power, and he actually ended up officially getting married to a different woman, Rachel Jones. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Good for her. We love a good wedding.
1: Yeah, she, again, you know, she was a minor, and her parents actually consented to the marriage, which grosses me out. Why? Because they were a part of the cult, too, and, um. yeah. She was raised in the cult, that's why she thought it was okay.
0: See, but then that makes more sense.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, he continued this trend. He actually ended up having like a lot of wives. None of them were actually official like Rachel, but he ended up having twelve kids out of all of his different wives. Mm-hmm. Wow, Rachel, I can't believe, I can't believe you got married to this guy.
0: Listen, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> it
1: wasn't your fault?
0: <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I was brainwashed.
1: Yeah. No, this guy, he's, he's really crazy because, okay, get this. He was suspected of setting a fire and, like, at the church. hmm So David and 25 of his followers were actually kicked off the property by George, the original son, because he was trying to take back that power.
0: Oh, too late.
1: yeah. But they, you know, the kicking, they were actually kicked out, and they, um, him and his cult uh, followers, the 25 of them, technically 26 if you count Korish. they moved to Palestine, Texas, and lived there for two years in tents and buses, kind of with their own little makeshift camp.
0: Oh, that's kind of cool, though.
1: I mean, yeah, other than the religious paraphernalia.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, specifically, the cool part is that they, you know, found a new community for themselves.
1: I do do think that would be kind of cool to just, like, go out and find something like that, but, like,
0: See, I think of that, like, okay. We'll talk later.
1: (laughs) You don't want to go on a tangent about this right now? No. Okay, yeah. I do think it would be kind of cool to live, like, in a bus, but only for, like, a day.
0: No, no I think it would be cool to go, like, camping in an RV and stuff. Oh, or renovate one of those school buses. That's such a cute... (laughs) Don't laugh at me. It's cute.
1: I don't know. They they didn't really spiffy it up that much. They were just living in those tents and buses, you know, kind of vibing, Mm -hmm. you know, cult stuff and all that.
0: Cult style. Yeah.
1: But eventually, fast forward to 1987, you know, they've been living there for a while. Yeah. George, you know, Benjamin's son, decided to exhume a body from this community cemetery that they had. So, basically, at the original base in Waco, they had this community cemetery where they buried all their dead, and he was trying to exhume a body. So, Corish actually went to the police to file charges against George for illegally exhuming a corpse, because technically he didn't have the right to do that. I think it's a little weird, because they had their own cemetery anyway, so I feel like that's almost mildly illegal for burying the bodies. But I guess you can do that. I don't think that's illegal. It just sounds illegal. Right. So, he actually... So he he went back to Waco, David, to go and get with a few of his followers, obviously. He went to go get footage of the exhumation and what happened is while George was trying to exhume the body, a gunfight broke out between David's men and George's and Korsh's men were charged with attempted murder, but were actually later acquitted because there was like a whole mess and nobody really exactly knew. Who, who was, started it? Yeah, who started it. It was like a whole mess. Oh,
0: it's like that one battle uh, from the Revolution where the British are like, the Americans started it, and then we're like, the British started it, and no one actually knows, and there's no history, because the one general said we did, and the other general said they did.
1: No, yeah, that's what I hate about it, because like, nobody knows exactly who did what, and the whole exhumation of the body, there's like no background for that either. It's just David somehow heard about the exhumation and decided, oh, here's an excuse to get my compound back. After two freaking years... I just I don't understand the motives behind that, but I guess he wanted more people to join his cult. But, you know, he was crazy, and George actually ended up also being crazy because he ended up murdering a man and was sent to a psychiatric hospital uh, following the events of this gunfight, and Korsh was able to reclaim property in Waco. Well,
0: look at him. <laughs> he won one way or another.
1: Yeah, sadly, you know, Obviously, his followers didn't because Koresh was believed to have been involved in many different incidents involving abuse of children, both physical and sexual. So, not a great guy. He mm-hmm. was obviously one to support polygamy, being all the many wives he had, both, yes. you know, act- like most of them were actually spiritual wives, but, you know, doesn't really matter because he still had sexual relationships with them. Right. So many of them were single, but there were also some married women, a part of the cult, who were also part of the Branch Davidians that he married, as he believed in this doctrine in which he would have 24 children with these chosen women. Personally, I don't believe that. I think he was just looking to have relationships with minors and be a disgusting man. Yeah.
0: Good for you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. So not all of them were underage totally, some of them were, like, you know, some of them were actually married, and these were, like, legal marriages, but one wife that he had, um, was Michelle Jones, the younger sister of his first wife, Rachel, so, gross.
0: So, okay, so the siblings were, like, together with him?
1: No, they, he only took, like, one, like, at a time, like, he had all these wives, but he, like they weren't like together,
0: I mean. Oh, so he was like, okay, I'm done with you.
1: Well, kind of. He was. She was still his wife, but she kind of cast her aside for, you know, the other wives. So he yeah. took turns. Yes, basically, yes. So very disgusting, man. And so back to kind of the allegations against children. There was actually a six month investigation of sexual abuse allegations done by the Texas CPS. However, the cult members were able to cover it up, and there is very little, you know, tangible evidence. None of it's actually concrete in linking him to the actual charges and the actual sexual abuse allegations. And there's definitely nothing for uh, physical abuse either. So, yeah, he basically had his cult leaders cover up his dirty work, so.
0: I mean, you said he was a smart guy, and obviously he is if he's able to get away with it.
1: Yeah, so... Honestly, he was very charismatic, as we know, and that's how he got away with a lot of the stuff. Like, I feel like if he wasn't so charismatic, he would not have gotten away with all this stuff.
0: And I would have gotten away with it, too. (laughs) Don't worry about (laughs) us peddling kids. Yeah,
1: you know, you know. But that's it's actually kind of true because of the child abuse allegations, that's kind of what started getting the authorities to start looking into him.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so it was
1: because of the meddling kids. It
0: really was a Scooby-Doo uh, situation there, wasn't it? Yeah, except
1: everyone died. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, anyways. So, um, anyways, because of these allegations, what happened is the Waco siege, which a lot of people, I don't feel like a lot of people know about this. It was actually a pretty big event. It began on February 28th of 1993 when the ATF raided Mount Caramel Center, which is where their, you know, uh, compound was. So a 51-day siege took place, which, wow, that's long. I'm surprised they held out for that long. So it was actually conducted officially by the FBI ...due to the many allegations and the fact that David had fathered many children with underage girls... ...so because of these sexual abuse allegations, the siege began. So there was a gun battle that resulted in the deaths of four ATF agents and six Branch Davidians... ...when the raid first began on, like, the first couple days. So shortly after the initial raid, the FBI hostage rescue team took command of the federal operation... And, you know, because the FBI has jurisdiction over the incidents involving the deaths of federal agents, which we learned about in Gov. I just want to say, I'm so smart. I do not remember that. Okay. Well, you know.
0: It's fine, though. It's fine.
1: So, yeah. So, the FBI took over, mm-hmm. obviously, because, you know, the ATF agents had died, and they're like, okay, you can't handle this. We're taking over. Uh, they didn't handle it very well, either.
0: Yeah. They never really do, do
1: they? No. Nope. The one successful thing they did do was they did ended up, like, establishing relations with Korish and were able to negotiate a little bit with him.
0: Yeah, but everyone still died, so...
1: Okay, I'm going to come back to that, because a few people were released before the uh, siege ended, so some people did survive, but most of the people who were actually in the building, because they ended up re- releasing gas, so all those people died, but some people were released. Mm-hmm. But before that... Korish himself had actually been seriously injured by a gunshot in the initial raid. So as the standoff continued, he basically, you know, stood in his compound with his, you know, associates and all that. And he, you know, continued to negotiate with the authorities. Uh Uh-huh. And it took a while, so, you know, he kind of like was holding them off. Because he wanted to delay the negotiations so that he could possibly write this religious document that he wanted to write. Which basically, he said he needed to complete before the surrender, so... He was actually genuinely invested in this re- whole religious paraphernalia and all that.
0: Right, like, it wasn't just genuine manipulation or anything. No, it he, was,
1: yeah, he actually believed this stuff. Like, um, he, yeah, he wanted to write this document. There's not a lot of information about what the document exactly was. It was just basically mm-hmm. kind of like, you know.
0: See, because that makes it so much more sad, because you're like, all these people wanted to have was hope.
1: You yeah. know? Yeah, I, th- I thought you were going to keep going, and then you stopped. So Originally, I was, like, I
0: was, and then I didn't remember what I was going to say anymore. So
1: No, but it is really sad how all these people were just, they actually, yeah. a lot of his believers were literally, they believed in him, they thought of his religion, and it got them all killed, pretty much. So, yeah. And, you know, obviously, he, while he was holding off the delays, eventually, they enough was enough. And the siege of the Mount Caramel Center ended on April 19th of 1993, you know, 51 days, when the U.S. Attorney General, Janet Reno, approved recommendations of FBI officials to proceed with the final advance. So she authorized this, in which, you know, the Branch Davidians would be removed from the Mount Caramel Center by force. So obviously this is kind of like, this is a bad analogy because it makes it sound so bad. It's kind of like rats in a maze. You've got to flush them all out. So, how do you do that? So, with this one, they decided to flush out all the Branch Davidians, um, obviously, with, by pumping CS gas into the compound barricaded inside the building. Supposedly, that um, that's supposed to be, like,
0: a really peaceful way to go, though, because um, you pass out from the lack of oxygen originally, and then you just kind of pass while you're asleep.
1: See... I watched this thing. It was, like, this limited series about Waco. It's mm-hmm. on Netflix. It's really good. It's literally just titled Waco. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I saw when on the last episode with the gas, it actually looked like a pretty painful death. Really? I don't know. Because, like, what I saw, I don't know how much. They did a lot of research into it, too. So I thought CS Gas was supposed to, be like, knock you out. But it looked like it caused, like, burns or something. I mean, I could be remembering it wrong, but something like that.
0: See, I've always been told that as long, if it's not um, carbon dioxide, which is what we breathe out, um, then you will not notice. And it will just be, you start feeling dizzy, a little lightheaded, and then eventually, you know, you fall asleep, and then so on and so forth. And that's how how you go.
1: I certainly hope that's how that happened, but... I mean, I might just be remembering wrong, and I think a lot of people actually knew about the gas, so they started to panic, which might have caused negative reactions or something. I don't know enough about this stuff to actually, like, give a definitive answer. Mm -hmm. But they did do that, and it resulted in 79 Branch Davidians perishing in the ensuing blaze because it set fire to the whole building oh well no duh then yeah <laughs> that's where the
0: burns came you know from. what now that i realize the that fire i'm making the connections
1: <laughs> now no but like i thought it was something else i swear to god it was the gas because i don't remember the person that was showing being near the fire well
0: the gas could be flammable like how we breathe in oxygen but you know oxygen is flammable
1: yeah no okay so what i was confused about i know there was a fire but like i thought the burns were from the gas because i didn't know that they were near the fire right either way that's Probably where the painful death came from. Right. So the, obviously, you know, the gas was probably flammable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something set fire in the chaos. So out of the 79 victims, 21 of them were children under the age of 16.
0: Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Never even got to experience the real world.
1: Yeah. And the worst part is like a lot of them were like the innocent children of David. Like mm-hmm. his. uh So this is what I'm remembering from the, the like, man had kids. Yeah. He had 12 kids.
0: Oh with his wives
1: um he had two with rachel i think they were both sons <laughs> i don't i don't know their names um but there were two sons um oh oh my god they're on the tip of my tongue i feel like i remember the names anyways you can just stop cracking your knuckles <laughs> i'm just talking about a serious thing here
0: i didn't think he was gonna make a noise oh my god like, you're so insensitive What
1: no <laughs> we're like, talking about children's deaths stop laughing
0: not laughing about that <laughs>
1: no stop no okay so you married th- no no yeah Whoa. the person with your name married this guy right rachel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i just can't get over that sorry anyways the, they're two children i can't remember the names you should watch the limited series on netflix it's pretty good um it does tell you their names and uh, yeah that's why i feel like i remember them
0: well now i might have to find one that the person gets married to a individual named Emily just so that we can experience the position you have put me in now.
1: My bad. I just I just think it's so funny. My bad. Anyways, they all died. His, <laughs> yeah. his sons and Rachel, that's, like, where the scene came from that I was, like, picturing in my head. It was very sad to watch. Mm-hmm.
0: Were they all, like, hugging, though? At least?
1: So... From what the scene actually showed, kind of a spoiler here. Um, one of the children died first, and then Rachel tried to carry one of the other children out, and she died right before she got out.
0: Oh, because it was
1: like if she found a hole and she was trying to get through it, but she like couldn't fit, and one of her children was already dead before she could get him through.
0: That is so sad. I
1: know, and there was like this one agent who like watched the whole thing. It was so dramatic, and I just like I couldn't.
0: I'm sure dramatic, traumatic. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think that's actually exactly how it went down, but they did a lot of research for it, so it's probably at least somewhat accurate.
0: Well, and if they had the one agent, like, watch it happen, it makes sense because a motherly instinct, like, that's a thing. And you're, you know, like Bambi. Oh. <laughs> His mom, you know, laid with him to keep him warm, right? Mm hmm. And it's like she went back in and tried to get you know, her kids.
1: No, she didn't go back in. I know, but that's like... Yeah, yeah. But she did try to get them out, and Mm -hmm. it was really sad to watch. Yeah. So, Korish actually, before the gas, or, like, while the gas was being pumped in, he actually, like, there's a whole scenario where he was at. He was, like, in this room. So, his right-hand man actually shot and killed him and then committed suicide with the same gun, like, while the gas was being pumped in. So, they didn't die from the gas. They didn't die from the fire. It was just, like, this whole dramatic scene where the right-hand man shot him and then killed himself.
0: Okay, but what if that's what caused the fire?
1: No, I, no, it wasn't that. It It wasn't? It was during the fire that this happened.
0: Okay, I had to ask because, you know, um, with oxygen, I'm pretty sure if you're in, like, a certain amount, you can't, like, Shoot a gun or anything because of, like the explosion with gunpowder and all of that yeah,
1: it will cause a fire. I mean, I'm sure it didn't help the situation.
0: right. It probably just made another fire spark.
1: So this is okay, so the whole thing where they right him and killed him is actually a theory. It's a pretty compelling one. Mm-hmm. so that's why they believe it happened. but mm-hmm. there's a lot of different accounts and it's still a bit ambiguous as to who killed who. Right. So after the siege was ended and they stopped the fire, Most of the compound was pretty much destroyed and gone, and there's a lot of dead people. So the medical examiner actually ended up reporting that 20 people, including five children under the age of 14, had actually been shot in the siege. Because after they pumped in gas, the agents went in, and just chaos happened, and a three-year-old had been stabbed in the chest. Oh. So this is, like, from the chaos, not just, like, the agents. I think, like, a lot of these gunshots came, it was friendly fire. Like, a lot of people in the compound just went crazy. Right. And, like, because of the chaos, they were all shooting guns, trying to get out. So a lot of the kids got caught in the crossfire.
0: That has to be horrifying.
1: So, yeah, I think that's, the worst part is, like, a lot of them didn't die from the gas. The 79 people who died because of the siege, as a result, didn't die from the gas. They died from gunshots and stabbings.
0: That's awful.
1: So yeah, as we know that, you know, Rachel along with her and David's two children died. Pretty much all of his all of his wives and like he had twelve total children and all the children died in the siege and most of his wives also died.
0: It does not help that I have had people call me mom before too. <laughs> so you said that and I was like, What? <laughs> and then I remembered.
1: No, not 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 your children, just her children. No. So During the siege, this is kind of back to the people who did survive, because there weren't just 79 people in the compound. There was a lot more. Right. So during the siege, 14 adults and 21 children were allowed to leave the Davidian compound and because, you know, he had allowed them to leave. Right. And in the chaos, not exactly everyone who was in the building died. A lot of them did. So there were nine survivors from the event who were like... Good for them. (laughs) <laughs> no because they were the ones who like caused all the chaos they were like a part oh. of the you know chain and they served time in federal prison on charges related to the initial raid on the compound so they were the ones who like were a part of the atf agents shooting
0: you really made me feel feel good for them i was like hey at least someone survived and then you're like actually
1: well to be fair the <laughs> other you know the 21 adults and kids that i talked about earlier they were innocent so they did survive well good the, sadly, those nine people who had been incarcerated, they were actually released by 2013, two decades after the Waco disaster. So they served their time, but I feel like should have been a life sentence, my They're personal out opinion. in the world again? Yeah, I mean, most of them are, like, super old or dead, no, so you'll probably never meet them, but...
0: But isn't a life sentence, depending on where you are, only 15 years, and then you add a certain...
1: It can be. So the reason that they do life sentence plus years is so they can't get out on good behavior. So a lot of them probably did get out on good behavior. I have a feeling that they all were sentenced to about the same amount of years, probably 20 years or so, Mm -hmm. and they all got out at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that tells me that it probably wasn't good behavior and they just served a 20-year sentence or something like that.
0: Right. See, when I was younger, I always thought a life sentence was like 50 years, you know?
1: A lot of them are. like A lot of them are estimated like that. Because, you know, you can't really quantify what defines a life sentence. No,
0: because no one lives to the exact same day.
1: Yeah, that's what's so confusing about it. I don't like it. No. Either way, I feel like they should have been in prison longer. They shouldn't have been released, but that's my personal opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. No, I agree.
1: Good, you should.
0: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, obviously, you know, David's dead. His followers, most of them are dead. The innocent people, they survived Got a lot of therapy, obviously. Um, There's no, like, like, I'm sure there is a list somewhere, but there isn't, like, exact names of everyone and what they're doing now. I'm assuming a lot of the adults are probably, like, off living their lives. I imagine, depending on how old the children were, they're probably in their 30s or 40s now, maybe 50s. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're out living a life. Hopefully, it's better than their early life. I'm hoping a lot of them were relatively young, so they don't remember.
0: I hope they got to go through rehab.
1: Yeah, I'm assuming a lot of them did. Mm-hmm. I know that they did offer a lot because this was like a huge tragedy and it kind of made people realize, oh, this stuff can happen. And I think that's kind of when really people, like people were taking cults seriously at the time because, you know, there's a lot of other cults before then. But this is kind of when I think Texas really started to like think, okay, we need to start doing something about this. And they started to take like cult leaders and religious stuff like that, twisting that stuff more seriously.
0: I guess everything's bigger in Texas, including
1: the cults. It's true. <laughs> it's so bad. I but know it's, it's true. bad, but it's true. It's true. But yeah, so as now, like looking back, like it's like a nationwide story. Like within the la- a couple of days of the siege, there's worldwide news and everything. And, you know, the events were too. Mm-hmm. So Waco, not just for Texas, but for everyone in the nation, is still looked back on today as one of the most deadly sieges in Texas history.
0: Yeah, that would make sense.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, so that's that's my two cents on the issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us on Crime Cooks. If you want to go ahead and check out some of our other amazing podcasts or find, you know, some more of our great podcasts, visit fhntoday.com slash crime to listen in. Anyways, you can tune in next time to hear about... John Wayne Gacy! Ooh, the clown killer! I'm excited for that one.
0: Yeah, the clown man.
1: The clown man. So, yeah, tune in next time to hear all about The Clown Man. And again, I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. Don't Don't be be stupid stupid and stay safe. safe.